0: Hello and welcome back to episode four of the European show. I'm joined by Nick once again.
1: Hi, welcome back everybody.
0: So today we're going to start with Syria and we're going to focus on Napoli versus Roma to start us off. So obviously this game was filled with Maradona tributes due to his importance to, to Naples and what he brought to the city at, at his time playing for Napoli, so this game was was really gonna go one way, and that was in Napoli's favor. It, it was a rout, basically. There were goals for Fabian Ruiz, Dries Mertens, who continues his good run of form, uh, goal scoring form, Politano, and Lorenzo Insigne, who scored a a very nice free kick. And it's in, it's important that Insigne scores in that game because. He himself is from Naples, so he knows the importance of Maradona to the city. He can embody feelings that Maradona brought to the city during his time. But overall, Roma were pretty poor. Their goalkeeper, Marante, us safe to say, did not have his best performance. And this was a Roma performance that was a long way off how they had been playing before. And so it does take Napoli above Roma now in the table.
1: Back to Insigne and how he, he is from Naples and he feels um, Maradona's influence very strongly, and his effects on the city. And he showed that by by showing a nice tribute to to Diego by by holding up his number ten shirt after he scored, and and the team as a whole also. Also, did a nice tribute by um, by everybody wearing this this nice um light blue and white striped shirt, similar to Argentina's. It, it was very pretty. and It was quite touching. So that was very nice to see.
0: And and so it's it's safe to say that Napoli did Maradona proud of that performance. So now we're going to move on to Milan, who well, without Ibrahimovic through injury. And Stefan Pioli is still isolating after testing positive for COVID. They were able to beat Fiorentina 2-0. And it takes them five points clear of second place in Serie A, which is big. And so there were goals for Romagnoli and Frank Cassier, who did score a penalty. But it could have been three, as Cassier did also miss another penalty. So it, 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 it's beginning to seem more feasible that Milan are able to mount the title challenge now, especially as they were able to easily beat a Fi- Fiorentina team which couldn't really compete with them without Ibrahimovic, their, their main man.
1: I mean, in fairness, Fiorentina isn't like a giant team in Italy. This defeat dropped them down to 17th there. No, not giants, but but it is respectable that without their main man, Ebro, they, they can still do well in matches. So they're not a one-man team, which is, which is always good good for, for your dynamic as a squad.
0: Because it, it does also mean, uh, like some of their rivals in tint Juventus, <laughs> that they don't rely on a singular man to carry them to wins. And now we'll look at Juventus. Juventus drew 1-1 uh, with Benevento, which is very surprising. They, Juventus should have easily won, but they missed big chances and Benevento were also solid defensively as well. It does show that once again, they missed Ronaldo, showing that they are heavily reliant on him as, as their main attacking force. As Although Dybala, well, Dybala, Dybala is facing a a goal drought currently. Maratta Mur- is providing goals, albeit most of them being offside. <laughs> he is still scoring, but it it does bring Andre Pirlo's tactics and how he's managing the team into question.
1: Yeah, and, and Juventus will be in trouble next week because Morata will be suspended since he got himself sent off rather bizarrely in the, the not even the final minute. After the final minute of, of this last match, the, the final whistle had already been blown. And honestly, I, I, I can't tell what happened, but he must have said something to the ref or whatever. And, and the ref turns around and, and just straight red sends him off. So he's going to be suspended for the next game. And well, that's one of their big attacking players gone. We'll have to see how they deal without that.
0: Juventus' next next game is in the Champions League against Dynamo Kiev. I know that my predictions and all I've said has been quite ropey recently. I do expect Juventus to win (laughs) and Dynamo Kiev not to cause them any issues because they haven't really caused either Barcelona or Juventus issues in the past. So imagine this should be an easy win and then they've already qualified for the next round. So imagine it being much changed Juventus team that could maybe still get the job done.
1: Well when you say it didn't cause Juventus or Barça any problems, I feel like if you're forgetting that first game they had against Barcelona, which ended 2-1 and, and Barcelona did struggle to, to 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 get the win there, but I, I I understand what you mean.
0: So next we'll move on to, to Swallow versus Inter Milan. So Inter won this game three 0 It was really a bit of a, a reality check for Sassuolo, Maine, really showing the quality of the bigger teams in Syria and how they have to be able to match match up with them. Sassuolo missed chances, which shows the fine margins that are at stake in the top parts of Syria. Even even though they did dominate the game, they did they didn't record a, a big chance, which is which is not ideal, especially against. A supposed supposed European race rival in Inter Milan, but Vlad Chiriches, their centre back, he had a nightmare with the times he was on the pitch. He scored an own goal. He he was involved in the mix up for Alexis Sanchez's first goal, and he just let Sanchez and Lautaro Martinez run riot basically, and then he just goes off injured, just so his day couldn't get any any worse. So this gives Inter Milan a boost. For for their next upcoming game, which is against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Gladbach, and and this this is a big game for Inter as and a big game for Group B as well. As if, if as if Gladbach win, they will qualify for the next round of the Round of 16, leaving only one place left for for Inter for Real Madrid and Inter Milan to fight it out. So that does mean there'll be one big team missing out on the Round of 16. However, uh, it's
1: important to note that if Inter lose this game then they will actually also be fighting with Shakhtar for the third spot in the Europa League because Shakhtar is two points ahead of them. So a, a loss here would really, really, really put um, Inter in trouble and everything would be down to this last game, which they would probably hopefully win. But we're, we're kind of discounting discounting Shakhtar, maybe a little bit prematurely. So we should keep an eye out for them, in, in my opinion.
0: Exactly, because they were able to storm ahead against uh Real Madrid team in the first game. While also holding to Milan to a draw, so Shakhtar, you can't discount discount them from the race already. Anyway, it's only against Borussia Mönchengladbach where they became unstuck, and and with how Inter have been playing recently, and not really looking that convincing until this weekend, th- this is going to be an interesting game to watch because Gladbach have been playing well, and and they'll be they'll be they'll have the confidence that they that they will be able to do this as in the previous game, they only just got a draw against Inter Milan albeit Inter Milan with a better team in the game, Gladbach conceded later on to, to leave Milan with one point instead of three, so Group B is one of the most interesting groups in the Champions League and this game is probably one to look out for uh, this, this week so we're going to have a small break now and then we'll be back with the Bundesliga and La Liga Back from our break now, and we'll start with the Bundesliga, where we'll look at a shock result. So I did say last week that Cologne would lose to Dortmund quite easily, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> they they managed to win two one against against British Dortmund with Elias Skiri scoring two goals. But what's significant about those two goals is the fact they were both the exact same type of goal—a tap in at the back post from Dortmund poorly defending a corner which you would be surprised about when they have good defenders in Manuara Kanji, Matt Hummels
1: it seems like schoolboy stu- schoolboy stuff to be honest like i mean to concede the first goal i mean okay sure maybe you make a mistake you missed a man on the on the last post but to score the, the like to concede to concede a goal like that in the exact same way, twice. That, that's just like, you, you do got to ask some questions because you've you got to be better than that, to be honest. If you're challenging for a title, for the Bundesliga title, like that, that's not how you, h- how you win. You've you got to be better than that.
0: And, and this is one of those games where Dortmund should have won. And in the, in the grand scheme of things, these are going to be three points that they're gonna miss out on and it and with Bayern being so dominant in the Bundesliga those three points are are crucial and and they just always seem to do this there is always games where they just somehow don't either win or even draw against teams that you would easily bet on them beating or drawing and if Dortmund wanted. to Push themselves to that next level. They need to. It's where they. These are games that title winners win and don't struggle against. You know,
1: winning leagues is about consistency. It's not just about individual excellent matches. You've got to be good throughout the season to win a to 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 win a league, to win this format of, of competition.
0: Exactly, you can't just hope to beat Bayern Munich or beat the bigger teams around you and expect that to be enough to win the league. You need to be able to beat the smaller teams. And Cologne aren't even a good team at the moment. (laughs) They had the central defensive midfielder, keep that in mind, lurking at the back post to tap it in so easily. But the one positive from this game was Yusuf Makoko got more minutes on the field and actually looked pretty promising.
1: Yeah, I was really impressed by him, to be honest. I mean, he, he didn't manage to score, but he moved well, he dribbled well. Like him and Reina, both 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 Mukoko and Giovanni Reina came on as subs once they were 2-0 down. And I think it was a really good call from the manager because they, they really changed the game. They, 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 they're clearly really good players and they stepped up quite well. I believe Giovanni Reina got an assist and I've already praised, me and Jack have already praised Mukoko. He played quite well. He created a lot of danger and a lot of chances and he came quite close to scoring. And somebody else came quite close to scoring, as I'm sure Jack will be wanting to mention.
0: Yeah, so... Erling Haaland, the man that we all thought couldn't actually miss, and and he scored some great goals in, in his in his time so far at Dortmund, like the one against PSG in the Champions League, which you would wouldn't think he would score, but right at the end of the game, after Mukoko took it, had a shot which just missed, but I can't remember who got on the end of it, but they got on the end of it and they squared the ball across. It was an open goal, and Erling Haaland misses that's the one chance you would bet everything you own on for him to score. And and it would have, it was literally the last kick of the game and it would have obviously equalised with Cologne. And so now it that miss is going to be, it's big in the Bundesliga title race. As as, the, as I've said before, the, the gap with Bayern and the juggernaut they are, it just opens up more now and it's going to be crucial that, that Dortmund hope Bayern slip up, which is unlikely. Dortmund's next game is against Lazio. This is this this is the type of game that normally just determines who finishes top uh, first and second in in their group. But it's interesting to note that Lazio did quite convincingly sweep aside Dortmund in the in the first game in Rome. So. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how Lucien Favre approach, approaches this game. May may he may even start Makoko after after his performance at the weekend because he clearly changed the game and and in in Dortmund's favor and that's what they may need again against Lazio. And so we'll look at Bayern now. So Bayern beat Stuttgart three one. But what was interesting is Stuttgart actually took a, a shock lead against Bayern with Koulibaly scoring and and. Stuttgart remained strong throughout and and caused Bayern issues but funny enough after after we we talked about him last week and said he should, should slowly be faded out of the team Kingsley Coman comes on and scores f- uh, the equalizer for Bayern and it was from a counter and then Lewandowski does what he does best scoring and scored a a, a great long range effort as well and then Douglas Costa another one of the backup Wingers comes on and, and scores, as the commentator said, just like Iron Robin.
1: However, back to back to Coman, it is important to note. Well, I mean, the team was leading. To be fair, they were. They, it was they were already two one up. But Coman uh, did get subbed off for Sane, and Sane got did get himself an assist. So both of them are playing well, and now the competition is lively, livelier than ever. Coman is proving that he he needs that he clearly is capable of staying top of it. Sane is g- getting into the groove and and. We'll see how it pans out overall.
0: And so Bayern's next game is against Atletico Madrid. But the big thing that's came out of this game, last week we did say Bayern are probably most likely going to win this. But, but now, Manuel Neuer, Robert Lewandowski, Karim Benzema, and Leon Goretzka have all not travelled to Madrid, which blows this game Wide open now.
1: Yeah, plus, plus, Letico Madrid desperately need a win here in order to, to not go into the last day of, of the Champions League without a secure spot in the knockout round. So they will be throwing everything in Bayern, whereas Bayern, Bayern are already through. They, they don't really need to fight it as hard so I think the attitudes and um and the energies that each team go into the game with are, are going to be super important. Well, obviously, they always are. But in this particular case, I think it could re- re- really give Atletico a big advantage.
0: We don't know why all these players are missing. I'm assuming it's injury because quarantine to Liso has had a recent injury. But th- this this is interesting now because obviously last week we said it is feasible that Lokomotiv Moscow, if they beat Salzburg and Bayern beat Atletico, that locomotive could move second. and now it is. This is going to be interesting because because of the fact Bayern have left several key players behind, and especially with the form Neuer is in, and if Atletico, even though Atletico will probably attack from the off, ha missing Manuel Neuer, is going to be crucial. And with Alexander Nubel, the man that was criticised for joining Bayern from Schalke, and even when he did play for Schalke, played shockingly, he's going to be in for a ride. Right. <laughs>
1: Yes, Neuer was incredibly important in the first match because last game actually Atletico did come out on attack from the off, and they and they got quite a few shots out. But well, Neuer is one of the best keepers in the world, and he he really shut off Atletico. And then the game went went south for 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 the Spaniards, and they got absolutely demolished by by Bayern's attack. So a different keeper here will change the game. It, it's just it's just certain if if the Atleticos. The Atletico strikers, if the if Atletico strikers have their shooting boots on, well, it's going to be interesting. However, it is important to note that Suarez still has not recovered, still has not tested negative for coronavirus, for COVID-19. So he will not be able to attend the match, which is very big because Atletico, without their main number nine, don't look as sharp, aren't as as clinical with him. And so Simeone will... Have to find a way to fix that, either by shockingly starting Sheponjic, which <laughs> I do not think he would ever ever do, but most likely by putting Correa in his place. Even though, but the thing is, Correa is slightly less clinical; he's slightly less good at hunting down goals in the same way and positioning himself in the same way as the, as this number nine. So, it's going to be an interesting game.
0: By the looks of it, this this match week in the in the Champions League is just going to be interesting all around. So now we will look at Munchen Gladbach versus Schalke. So Schalke's problems persist, and they still remain bottom of the Bundesliga. As although at the start of the game they did look like they were able to f- cause issues for Munchen Gladbach, they slowly faded away, and Gladbach just took hold of the game and began to dominate. Florian Neuhaus continued his good form and surprisingly scored another goal from a rebound. But they also got an assist in this game. Uh, Marcus Thuram scored as well. So did Oscar Vent, Hannes Wolf uh, scored the second goal of the season. So overall, this was quite an easy win for Gladbach. It gives them a lot of confidence going into the game that we've mentioned against Inter Milan, especially with the chances of them qualifying for, for the round of 16. And it would be big if they qualify first in that group as well because it will mean that they miss out on a, on a big team as well, which, which, which would do wonders for them, especially as they've shown that they are now able to go toe-to-toe with teams like Real Madrid and Inter Milan. When a few years ago, under Lucien Favre and Dieter Hecking, they just, they just got, would get demolished by, by, the, by the big teams. But now, under Marco Rosa, he's just created a, a footballing team who are able to hold yes, they're prone to collapses and defensive lapses, like which the Schalker goal came from. It was a, it was a pass which is easily intercepted, albeit the pass was from Dennis Sakaria, who is still getting back into his fitness. But when they have a full strength team, I I Gladbach will are able to cause anyone issues. So I, I do think they will they could easily finish finish top in the group. And they're going to be a team to watch in the Champions League this year. And so we'll finish with the Bundesliga with arguably one of the games of the weekend. Wolfsburg 5, Werder <laughs> Bremen 3. So on a cold Friday night, it, it was literally a gold fest. Walt Weghorst continued his, his good goal-scoring form and scored twice as well. But most importantly, Wolfsburg are unbeaten still at the start of the season, which is, they're, they're, they're playing great. They don't look like anyone can beat them yet, hence why they're unbeaten.
1: Actually, most importantly, this game broke Verder Bremen's five-game 1-1 draw streak, which is sad in my opinion. I thought it was quite funny. Yes,
0: yeah, so it does mean Verder Bremen are one able to concede more than one goal, but also able to score more than one goal.
1: Who <laughs> would have thought?
0: So now we're going to look at La Liga. So we're going to first start with Valencia versus Atletico Madrid, and so I'm going to pass it over to Nick. Who?
1: Well, this was a, an incredibly important game for Atletico Madrid, and one they absolutely had to win in order to keep up their title challenging momentum. They've with this win, they've now they now have six victories in a row. Which is which is very important for them, and they're second in the league with with a game in hand and only a point behind Real Sociedad. And I mean, the game itself actually was was extremely close. The, um, it, it was very intense. Valencia came out and uh, and gave Atletico a very hard time, especially in the first in the first half, defended quite well and and really popped some sh- shots off of, of, at Oblak, who, who pulled off some good saves, as he always does. But um, Valencia's goalkeeper also made some very good saves. Jaime Dominic really, really saved his side on multiple occasions. Two or three like big, big stops from outside the box or close-in close in stops as well on multiple occasions from, from players such as Llorente and Lemar, who are good at shooting from outside the box. And actually, speaking, speaking of Lemar, well, I mean, th- th- those who know me personally know that one of my favorite pastimes is... It's to shit on Lamar because he has been really terrible for Atletico Madrid since he since he signed two two seasons ago, and well, this season actually Simeone has been experimenting a little bit with him. He's been playing him in more of a centre forward or a left forward kind of role, a little bit more inside and and less defensive, and giving him a less defensive role than than one would expect from 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 someone playing in a, in a Simeone's side. And and it's really worked out well for him. He is slowly improving. He's slowly gaining his confidence, which leads him to to improving more. And this was the first game in a while that I, that I saw him and didn't consider him a total liability to the team. He he was genuinely quite good. He missed a few passes, and missed a missed a good clear goal opportunity. But in general, he was dribbling well, passing, looking up at his teammates, which he hasn't done since I don't remember when. And he and as I said earlier, he took some good shots at goal and very came very close to scoring. Except for for how Dominic's big interventions, and I mean the first half was was quite close, and, and either team could have could have gone ahead. But the second half really was was just Atletico's. That what decided the game was was experience, fitness, and squad depth. Because come the second half, Atletico just dominated. Valencia just looked more tired. They couldn't attack. They actually didn't get a single shot off in Atletico in the entirety of the final forty five minutes. And and when when it, when it came the time to make subs, Simeone subbed on. Carrasco and Joao Félix and and all of these quality, high quality players who who kept the energy up on his side and really brought something new to the team. Meanwhile, meanwhile Valencia just couldn't do the same. Their subs that came on, such as Gamedos and, and, and such, actually just made the team worse. Like he, they, they were meant to bring a freshness to the team, but they just lowered the overall quality of the players. So well, the 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 final goal just came in from from a pretty unlucky, pretty unlucky own goal from by by Tony Lato, Valencia's left back. Carrasco dribbled nicely, crossed it in, and then Tony just just he just accidentally had his foot in the way, and it just went in, which is possibly just he was just tired, he he was off balance and such. It it, it was pretty unlucky. I, I you do gotta feel bad for him, but I mean, second half, Atletico did deserve to go ahead, and I mean, this deserved a win for Atletico, but it it was very narrow. So we'll, we'll played to Valencia for that. They, they, they really gave the, the, these possible league, possible future champions a very good fight.
0: Right, he's looking promising for Valencia under Avi Gracia after the season from hell last year.
1: Oh, also, um, also, I know, I know you like Yunus Musa a lot, Jack, and he actually had a he had a very good game. He he did get subbed off later on because he's still quite young. He doesn't have the fitness levels to to compete a full match. Well, while he was on the pitch, he he was very dangerous. He was dribbling and and passing very well.
0: How would you say Atletico are different to last year? So obviously last year they were known as the team that just really parked the bus and didn't really attack as much. But how how would you say this Atletico team has become more attacking, should we say?
1: Well, I mean, the the main point is that Simeone has realised that he has some really powerful, creative players in in joe felix in carrasco and potentially in lamar and and, and some very good players are finding space and scoring sniffing out goals those being suarez and and llorente and he's he's changing the team around them he's also changing the formation quite a lot playing Lodi, who, who used to be just who he used to play as more of a left back L- Lodi's pretty good offensively but he's not amazingly when it comes to covering to covering the back line so Simeone has changed the formation to a uh, 3 at the back in most games now. So Lodi and Trippier play more as wingbacks. And then Edmoso is having a very good season, joins the usual Savage and Jimenez pair to make a to make a solid back line which which is still extremely extremely good defensively with Atletico with Atletico only having conceded two goals in the league so far. So they're still a very solid team at the back. That that, that much hasn't changed except this new formation. With the wing backs and, and center forwards usually being Joe Félix or Correa or Llorente, really helping funnel the ball into whatever striker they're playing, who's usually Suarez. And and that's really it. That that's really the main difference. Also in terms of attitude, the the team doesn't back down anymore once they're ahead. They they just go hunt the hunt down the goals and they're also more motivated. They pass the ball around faster and they they search for space and, and they're much more active offensively than they were last season. It's a it's an incredibly big change, which I didn't expect to see. To be honest,
0: I I think it's safe to say that with the form of Real Madrid and Barcelona, the title race is looking wide open right now. Albeit quite early on in the season, it's still it's still something you have to keep in mind because it does come down to fine margins, as I've said before. We we'll look at across Madrid now at Real Madrid versus Alaves last last week. I did I did hint. That it, after I did say Real Madrid will win, will win there's a possibility that they lose they went on to lose 2-1 to,
1: to be honest, even though they lost I think Real Madrid fans will be delighted with this result because they could have lost by <laughs> a lot, lots lot more Their defence was tragically bad made a lot of mistakes let a lot of, of Alaves players through and, and, and they also made a lot of very bad passes two or three times in the match just giving the ball away to the strikers and Alaves could have scored many more goals if it wasn't for Courtois putting up some big saves or, or just the Alaves strikers just not being good enough to, to to score, just finishing badly. Except Courtois then went from a hero to a villain, as I'm sure you'd like to point out.
0: Yeah, and, and that biggest passing error being Courtois. with For the second goal, he passes it straight to Hotelou, He's able to score, but things get worse for Real Madrid as Eden Hazard is out injured again with a muscular injury, which will leave him out for two to three weeks, which does mean he could miss the possibility of playing in the Madrid derby, which, which, is, which Real Madrid kind of need to win. It's a
1: massive loss for Real for Madrid to not count on on their number seven that game.
0: Not that he's really done a lot, but the they replacement injury for, has hindered him.
1: They thought they were getting a replacement for Ronaldo, but they were just getting a replacement for Bale.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and so Real Madrid's next, next game is against Shakhtar. This, this is going to be... It'd be interesting to see whether Real will collapse as much as they did in the last game against Shakhtar, where they conceded three goals quite, quite easily, to be honest, and then managed to bring it back only for a VAR goal to disallow Federico Valverde's shot. But I, I imagine Real Madrid should easily
1: win this. In, in, fairness, well, in fairness, one of Zidane's strong points is, is motivating his team and really getting them to rise up to the occasion. So this is an important match for them. And I'm, I'm fairly sure the, the, the Real Madrid players will play with the correct intensity and concentration that they would need to just win the game against a team that is lower in terms of player quality.
0: And, and this is Real Madrid's competition as well. Yeah, exactly. It would be interesting to see what would happen if they didn't make it out of the group stage, to be honest. I, I would love to see how, that, how one, the Real Madrid team and hierarchy react to probably being in the Europa League and generally just what the landscape of the Champions League would look like.
1: I think it would be very interesting if both Atletico and Real Madrid went down to Europa League and saw each other in the final.
0: The game that I tipped as a relegation battle <laughs> last week. Uh, Barcelona, sooner. He ended four 0 to Barcelona. It yeah, no, was really they, a routine win.
1: It was a convincing yeah. victory. Like last time, they won four 0 against Dynamo. Last week, I, I said they didn't look like they really deserved the win. They, they, this game was the opposite. They, they, they fully looked like they should have won by that much. The strikers were the, the forwards were completely on top of their game, connecting and, and attacking well.
0: They were goals for Braithwaite, uh, Antoine Griezmann, Messi, and Coutinho. But most importantly, Messi it paid a tribute to Maradona after he scored his goal by putting on a, a replica New World's Old Boys shirt, who Messi and Maradona both played for. And so next for Barcelona is, is Ferenc He Ferenc Svaros did manage to cause Juventus some issues. <laughs> So they may be able to do it again with Barcelona.
1: Yeah, and, if, and, and Barcelona's future games look quite dicey because Lenglet got injured in the, in the game against Osasuna. So similar to Real Madrid, they're also suffering from, from a lack of defensive cohesion. And now with an, another one of their main centre-backs gone, they're really going to struggle. Even though Mingueza is, is all right. He, he, he's usually quite good, but he's prone to a few... Signs of inexperience. Now they're probably just gonna to have to play Frankie de Jong next to, next to Mingesa which is quite an interesting pairing. And and that obviously means Frankie won't be the the, the the double pivot leader as he usually is. Which is it's just a big, important injury and quite devastating to Barcelona to be honest.
0: And I think it's safe to say Frank, Frankie de Jong didn't expect to be playing centre back when he moved, <laughs> and and Barcelona clearly bought the wrong player and should have bought Mateus Delict. And so the final game we're going to look at in La Liga is Villarreal versus Real Sociedad. This game was just a game of two penalties, really. We finished 1-1 uh, goals for Gerard Moreno and Mikhail oya it,
1: it could have been a game of three penalties as well, to be honest. There was a rather controversial non-penalty call in the final minute where Gerard Moreno, just he, he, he dribbles past past one of Raza's defenders and then they slide in and it appears they don't clip the ball. VAR checked it, decided it was nothing. But it, it's caused a bit of an uproar in, in Spain. So it could have been a game of three penalties.
0: It's nice to know that it's not just England where there's VAR issues. So now we're going to have a small break and then we'll be back for the last part of with Liga and just the best of the rest, really. <laughs> Welcome back from our third break where we have decided we're now going to play goal songs. And so for legal reasons, we'll have to review the song. And so the goal song that you've probably just heard is Maccabee Tel Aviv. It, it was, I don't know the name it, of it, it, so we're just going to review it. What do you think of it?
1: It was a really good goal song, to be honest. It was full of energy. It was quite exciting. For, for me, that's a 10 out of 10. It captures everything you feel when, you, when your team scores a goal.
0: I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. That's the end of our review. We'll now move on to Ligue 1. we will now monetized. We We'll now get monetized. Thank you very much. So PSG drew with Bordeaux. Surprisingly, two-two. They collapsed once again. Most importantly, uh, a former PSG player, youth player, that is, scored the equalizer, and he chose not to celebrate. But if I was him, I would have gone crazy. And there were goals for, for Neymar and another penalty. And Mois Kien, who continues his fine goal-scoring form. But most importantly is, I'm going to be honest, I stopped watching it after PSG scored their second goal as I thought the game was over. I was clearly wrong.
1: Yeah, so with this stumble, PSG have allowed quite a lot of competitors to crawl closer to them. And now there's four teams, Lille, Lyon, Monaco and Montpellier are all within two points of PSG and they've all played the same amount of games. So, Jack, do you think any of these teams, like, will realistically be able to solidly overtake PSG, or or are PSG just too good and too consistent?
0: Well, Leo missed a good chance actually, as they, they did draw one one with Saint Etienne, which which they should have won really, because Saint Etienne have been pretty poor. But ever since that Champions League game against Manchester City, Lyon have just improved considerably, especially because they were having a nightmare season last year. So, I, I do it is it is possible. Especially if PSG keep having these these slip ups, because it's it's now twice in two games that have the, that they've shown they're not defensively sound. So they are clearly missing Marquinhos and Thiago Silva. But in the in the period now that they're missing Marquinhos, I do think that the teams below them, Leo Leon, Monaco, Montpellier, and even Marseille, should now take advantage of this because. It was only because a few years ago, Monaco, they took advantage of it and they won the league. So it is, it is possible. We just need, you just need teams to be more consistent because that's what every team in league R is isn't co- currently experiencing, which is consistency. Like Wren, they were, they were top at some point in the league. But now they've, they're seventh because they've just fallen down so much. Yeah, well, that, that, that's
1: what PSG gets for, for buying the best players, or, or the most expensive players really, is hopefully the guarantee that they'll be more consistent than their opposition, really. We've, we've talked about this before, Need a consistency to win a league, and we'll see if, they, if this is just a streaky and, and we'll see if this is just a strange, uh, um, bumpy streak that they're going through, or if they're really just going to have a bad season.
0: I, I generally, for the, for the good of Ligue 1, I do think it's a bad season, because Ligue R has so much potential to be such an exciting league I know before PSG came along you could say "Oh, Lyon dominated the league Marseille dominated the league but there was a brief period between the time Lyon last won the league and PSG won it where Lille and Montpellier both won the league that was to quote the Drake and Future album what a time to be alive (laughs) PSG are playing Man United next which is a big game for Group H as as if PSG win, it literally makes Man United and PSG the two teams that go through, which is a shame for Leipzig because they they have proven that they, were, that they are able to match up with the big teams with their progress to the semi-finals last year. But, and I do, I, personally, I don't think Man United should be there, but, you know.
1: It's going to be a, a clash of, of titanically shit defences, so... Uh, it's gonna, gonna be quite funny to watch, I reckon.
0: And and Neymar and Mbappe should both start this game as well. So it'd be interesting to see how Man United's defense deals with this. So now we're going to look at Leo, who, he, he, as I said before, drew one-one with Saint Etienne, and we're going to bring back something we brought for one episode only, and they got rid of it because he scored. Is Jonathan David watch?
1: It has been eight days since Jonathan David last scored.
0: And so now we're going to keep doing this until either he... He We're just going to keep doing this.
1: Uh, Until he scores so often that we just literally can't can't keep up.
0: Or or he agrees to my interview proposal. But interestingly, in other French football news is Marseille. Before the game at the weekend, fans left a, a banner in the velodrome threatening their American owner to act before their fans do due to their... Quite frankly, shit Champions League performance. Where a team like theirs, you would expect to be able to compete with Porto to finish to finish second in the group behind Manchester City, but they haven't. They they were convincingly beaten by Porto in both their games, and they even lost uh, to Olympiacos, which you shouldn't wouldn't think sh- should happen. So it'd be it, that's an interesting situation in Marseille, which we will keep you up to date with. And so now we look at the best of the rest leagues in the world. So, all the leagues that aren't in the top five. I'm going to briefly mention the Belgian Pro League. So, not standardly aged and Andalek drew 0 0. If it's standard one, I, I think Vincent Company's job would be heavily on the line. But yeah, there's not really else to say about the game. But Beershot, the promoted team that we talked about last week and the week before, they've gone top because Club Bruges drew. Sadly, there was no Olsenhäuser goal, so the Austrian Messi ruins his his goal scoring record. But this is Beşiktaş are an interesting team, and if you have the time, watch highlights of them. If you if you find a, a legal way to watch and watch them, because it's going to be interesting. But we're going to look at Turkey, where we did preview the Istanbul Derby between Fenerbahce and Beşiktaş and i think it's safe to say it, it did live up to the to its billing
1: absolutely lived up to its expectations it was everything i had hoped for it w- it was pure shithousery. i mean well the the scoreline itself is a, is a small indicator of how of how fun fun and crazy the match was it was a bit of a narrow win with by only just one goal besiktas beat fenerbahce um 4-3 besiktas beat fenerbahce 3-4 and and well I mean Besiktas was ahead in the scoreline the whole game long Abubakar scored two goals two two very good goals right from the start but put put his team in the lead and then Fenerbahce was just training the whole the whole game trying to catch up they never managed to get an equalizing goal but they did fight very well they did put a lot of intens- intensity into the game and, and it was extremely entertaining, entertaining to watch as one would expect from a, a Turkish derby there was a lot of a lot of intensity and a lot of strong tackles a lot of rivalry between the players and was reflected in the 10 yellow cards and the red that we saw in the match um DeSouza Souza Diaz slid into a very (laughs) very interesting tackle
0: I I, I think slide is the wrong word yeah it should more be fly he
1: he genuinely flew If, if you can like search it up if you can find this tackle, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a work of art. He, he, he flies in, studs up, completely misses the ball and literally just hits, only just crunches into the poor butcher player's leg. It's a miracle <laughs> his TV isn't broken. And it's, an, and it's also a miracle that the Souza Diaz didn't get sent off for that. He only got a yellow, which is quite incredible. But yeah, incredibly interesting match, very intense. And it was completely worth watching.
0: And this brings the big three back to where they should be in the Turkish Superliga. So Galatasaray are second, Fenerbahce are third, and Besiktas are fourth, with Alanyaspor still being top. Which, especially after the poor seasons that Fenerbahce and Besiktas both had, this is good to see that they're both back where they belong after the poor financial struggles that they were facing. So now we'll look at Austria where Red Bull Salzburg have demolished St. Poulton 8-2. And my favourite player, Dominic Sabozzi, scored a hat-trick. And I know what Nick's going to say. He's going to be like, oh, he scored two penalties. It doesn't matter.
1: And two He said he only scored nice goals. His penalties were actually quite nice, to be honest. Very, exactly. very powerful. But he, his last For- goal was just like a bit of a shitty tapping. But okay, we we take those. A hat-trick's a hat-trick.
0: Another person who scored a hat-trick was Seiko Keita who is another good young prospect in the Salzburg Academy along with Padsden Dacus and, and Bozlai he, he's one of his goals he, he dribbled past quite a few St Paulton players before easily slotting it into the, into the bottom corner and Kareem Adeyemi he scored one goal and got three assists and considering the fact he's 18 he's also brewing to be a big young talent who players should look out for really and to finish off today the team that we talked about a few episodes ago, Bode Glimt, who were confirmed champions, they so they beat Rosenborg, who are arguably their biggest challengers for next season's Norwegian Championship. They beat them five one, and so on Twitter they decided to say thanks for the guard of honor, but it was unnecessary to stand around for ninety minutes, which just shows the great humour that Bode Glimt have. <laughs> you love and how and how much they are loving the fact that they've won the Norwegian Championship for the first time. And so I think that's it for today. Thank you for listening to our fourth episode. We'll be back again on, on Friday. And yeah, uh, follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts, rate us, like us, whatever, subscribe, whatever, sponsor us, whatever. Yeah.
1: I see, you, Thank see you for listening. See you on Friday.